Welcome, everybody, to the Boiler Upward Podcast. This is episode 12, and we also want to remind you that we are brought to you by Martin Vintage, your home of vintage Purdue apparel. That's martinvintage.com. With me tonight is Jace Jellison. How you doing, Jace? I'm doing well, Travis. How are you? I am good. I'm good. And the road warrior, the man that has been in all four road games of the last five, is better than that. Casey Bruno doesn't like Hartley. it. And apparently Bruno, the dog, is uh, not happy about that. Yeah, he's uh, tired of me being gone all the time. Purdue has had an exhausting last week and a half, and it's not getting much easier. Well, fortunately, we're through the four road games and five games stretch, and there's only five more road games the rest of the year, and then the Big Ten tournament, and then the NCAA. So I guess he'll be happy in April, hopefully. Yeah. It'd be nice if I was gone for the first part of April. I, I think we would all be happy if you were gone the first part of April. But I anyway. assume it goes that late. And I assume it goes that late this year. I haven't looked yeah. at the calendar. Yeah, first weekend of April. So But uh that will be a little bit later in the podcast tonight. We're gonna start off by talking a little bit about some college football recruiting as Ryan Walters and his crew have been doing a great job of getting offers out there. And JC says you had some notes for tonight. What you got? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the whole staff has been doing a really good job of getting out there, being seen, kind of establishing themselves within the, the class of 2024 and 2025. I'm up to over close to 60 offers for the class of 2024 um, and around around 40-ish for 2025 as of right now. And that's just including the offers that this new staff has given out. Um, that's not including the ones that the old staff um, had given out. But this weekend was was a big weekend for for visitors for the 2024 and 2023 class even. Um, I guess we'll start with the 2023 because those are some of the guys that could be added um, to the roster, obviously, with National Signing Day coming on February 1st. Uh, the first one, Isaiah Walker. Um, I know I had talked about him uh quite a lot in the, in the forums and, and did an interview with him. Um, for people who didn't get a chance to see that, he's a Butler Community College uh, import product. Um, and he has a, a really interesting uh, recruiting story. He, he, he originally committed to South Carolina out of high school, decommitted, flipped to Florida, went there for one semester, transferred to Miami, didn't play there for two years, went community college and now he's back trying to go division one so um that's a guy that i think purdue's really high on that's uh wow that's uh (laughs) i mean that sounds like the uh that sounds like david jenkins's path honestly to get to purdue (laughs) it's it's been it's been crazy he was a he was a 2024 star recruit as well so he was highly touted coming out of high school and so he would he would at least be through the the portal then and uh would Add some pretty good experience depth, too. I like that. Yeah, I don't know if he's quite ready to play. He's a little on the lighter side. I believe he's around 260, 265, and he plays right tackle. So um, he'll have to keep getting bigger, keep getting stronger. But for a guy that has that type of skill and that type of pedigree, at, at least out of high school, um, it's worth taking a flyer on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
So, uh, and you said he would be for the, yeah, that would add in here to our current class. And according mm-hmm. to our scholarship grid, um, again, this is incredibly unofficial. I've got two spots open on next yeah. year's roster uh, for as far as scholarships go. So I know that he would, uh, Coach Walters would very much like to drop those in. And I imagine if we see more than two, that's a sign that other people are leaving or we're missing something, right? Yeah. So the portal window actually closed on the 18th okay so that means nobody can enter the portal but people within the portal already can commit anywhere so purdue could technically bring in two more uh, transfer portal guys um but that's that's probably not going to be the case i think i think a lot of guys are going to wait and see um how spring practices go and then they, there's another transfer portal window in may and just for context, that's where Purdue got Charlie Jones, and then Marvin Grant also left uh, in that. So, and I know we've got still- a couple of guys that could be back on the roster that we're not sure yet because they have that ability to use that free COVID year too. So, I'm counting those right now in our in our uh, calculations and everything. I've got six of those guys that have not expressed that they're leaving, but they may not have necessarily expressed that they're staying. So. Yeah, I think the biggest one right now is Bryce Hampton because he would have to apply for another year. Um, but I, I believe like Sion Finau, Tyrone Tracy is coming back. That's confirmed. I think I think some of those guys are either coming back already or they've already put their name in the portal, like Lawrence Johnson, Jack Jack Sullivan, Branson Dean. Yeah, the ones that I've got that could come back, I believe they can come back are. Eric Miller, Jamari Brown, Scotty Humpich, uh, Daniel Johnson, Cam Allen. I know Cam Allen. I believe he confirmed he's coming back, and then Tyrone Tracy. So, all those, those are all the those, six that, yeah, all those guys will be returning. Okay, okay, so that's good, and so that means six guys returning that are exercising their extra COVID year. We're going to be tracking this for a while because I have the way that I've set up this sheet. We could have guys exercising their COVID year through 2025, and that's going to be real fun for everybody around the country. I know. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be a, a weird balancing act every every off season, seeing which guys are coming, which guys aren't going, and it it kind of puts us in a bind as media, I guess, um, that a lot of guys don't really come out and say it; they're just coming back, and I guess they're just wanting us to find out. Uh, when they show up for spring practices. <laughs> and that's usually a good time to figure out the, the roster yeah. and we do a big overhaul on this grid. So mm-hmm. uh, just that's where we have it as of right now. How about 2024? I know that's kind of the focus with everything recruiting wise right now, especially with uh, the 2023 class is going to be finalized here in about the next two weeks. Yeah, most definitely. Um, Purdue hosted three really, really good in-state wide receivers in the class of 2024 this weekend, they all came together, which I think says something. They, they respect each other's opinions. They're all, they're all pretty good friends. Uh, it's Bronte Johnson, Nitro Tuggle and Mylon Graham. Um, we'll start with Bronte. Uh, he's, he's the number 53 player in, in the class of 2024, according to rivals, um, four-star guy from Fort Wayne North or North side, excuse me. Um, I mean, super I, I know Northrop and Northside, they're like yeah. so close together. <laughs> you can mix them up. <laughs> yes. I mean, super talented guy. Uh, Mylon Graham is from New Haven, Indiana. He's the 38th uh, best player in the, in the class of 2024. Another very talented receiver. 
the prior staff hadn't even been able to get those two guys on campus yet. They had been pursuing him pretty heavily um, just because they're in-state recruits, obviously wide receiver and Jeff Brom go hand in hand. So, you know, he was, he was pursuing them pretty heavily and this new staff has, has turned him into high priority guys as well. Um, and then the third is Nitro Tuggle, who I think is the more likely guy to commit out of those three, uh, just because Bronte Johnson and, and Miley Graham, they're getting looked at by Ohio State and Notre Dame. Um, those are the two big schools that are looking at those two other guys. But Nitro Tuggle, his his recruitment has really picked up over the last week or so. He picked up offers from Illinois, Michigan State, Penn State, and IU, and Purdue, um, all within the last four to five days. Um, so he's a, he he's kind of a late riser in the class of 2024. But all three of those guys were on campus this weekend, and um, it, it appears like Corey Patterson and Ryan Walters, Graham Harrell, they're all making a, a pretty good impression on on that group of guys. That's excellent, and it's good to see them hit the ground running here. And I also know another thing that's going to be a factor for Walters is he's got that football practice facility finished, and he's got everything that they can show off that Brom didn't have when he started. So uh, mm-hmm. I, it's just nice to see that he's able to take advantage of that, that the program is in a much better spot and that we have the facilities more in place now than we did not have six years ago. And I know we, I think we talked about this last week on the podcast and um, I know we've talked about it amongst ourselves, but this staff has done a phenomenal job at getting out on social media and really interacting with recruits uh, much more so than the prior uh, regime did. Um, and that's super important for, for this new age of recruit and athlete coming up. They want to be recognized. They want to feel like a priority. They want to be able to post stuff on Twitter and get a bunch of likes and all that, all that stuff. Um, and, and this coaching staff is really, really embracing that. And they, they show that energy. Obviously, um, you see Ryan Walters, 36 now, 37. Uh, birthday was yesterday, the day before, I believe. I mean, this coaching staff is young, so they they have a better idea of, of what the recruits want um, out of that aspect. Yeah, and that, that's only going to help in the long run. And uh, mm-hmm. it, it's definitely a different atmosphere and a different culture around. You can kind of feel that. So 2025, you said, we, that means we have some offers already out for guys that won't be here for two more years. <laughs> Sorry, what was that? I said we we got some offers out for 2025 already. So who's who's going to be here in uh, in two years, or who could be here in two years? I guess I should say. I mean, I it's really up in the air with 2025 guys. I think a lot of them are so early in their recruitments that they're just kind of getting started. They're just now picking up some big time offers. Um, there's no one on my radar that I would say, yeah, they're they're kind of leaning Purdue at this point um, that I've seen, but um because I, I mean obviously like this weekend and next weekend are the two big visit weekends for Purdue and it's all 2023 or 2024 guys they haven't even brought in any 25 guys for visits yet so um I think we'll be in wait and see mode for for the class of 2025 but yeah huh. that's it's good to see that things are off to a good start here, and that's just encouraging. I'm hoping we'll get our first – hopefully the dam will break and we'll get our first uh, 24 commitment here before too long. Yeah, a name to watch for that is Udari Hines. He's a cornerback from Franklin Central. Um, I talked to him, and he actually visits Toledo and Indiana this weekend. He's coming to Purdue next weekend. Um, and he told me that he would like to stay in Indiana for college. 
So it seems like a two-horse race between Purdue and IU for him. But if he's blown away at his at his visit next weekend, um, he could very well commit. That's that's a guy to keep an eye on early. And he plays in a tough conference uh, since mm-hmm. I've covered Zionsville quite a bit. Franklin Central is in the Hoosier Crossroads Conference, and that's got Hamilton Southeastern. That's got Fishers. That's got Zionsville themselves. Brownsburg is really good usually. I mean, that, that is a top-to-bottom tough conference, and it's a great one to get an inroad in on. Yeah, most definitely. Well, it, it is refreshing to hear that about recruiting, and I think what that means we can probably transition over to our next topic, and that is the NCAA tournament, but not for the men, for the ladies who got off the schneid, got a big win over Minnesota today, or yesterday, excuse me, mm-hmm. and how are they look in there? Can this – can this be the team that breaks the streak and gets into the tournament? They, they've got a lot of work to do. Um, they started the year out 10 and two. They were looking good. They're scoring the ball. Well, they were getting out in transition, which is kind of the strength of a coach. Uh, Katie Gerald's led team. That's what she wants to do within the offense. Just recently, they haven't been able to, to put the ball in the hoop. And obviously that's what you need to need to win. Um, after their 10 and two star, they've, they went two and four heading into Saturday picked up a big-time win, a win that they really needed with um, their toughest stretch of the season is coming up now. They're going at Illinois, who's number 21 in the country right now, at Ohio State, who's undefeated at number two, behind South Carolina, who's defending national champs undefeated, and then at home against Indiana, who's another national championship title contender. Um, So we're going to learn a lot about (laughs) where this team is going to become – come the middle of March um, after this next couple weeks stretch, in my opinion. Um, I'm looking right now at Charlie Kermy's bracketology on ESPN.com, and he does at least have Purdue on the next four out list. Uh, this is the first year that the women's tournament expands to 68 teams instead of 64. So that has Purdue about fifth out because uh, it has their first four out being Virginia, Georgia, Tennessee Tech, and Marquette. And then the next four out, Purdue, Princeton, Stephen F. Austin, and Drake. So, But like you said, uh, it ain't going to be easy because they have both Indiana and Ohio State as number one seeds right now. And I know that this team can play. They took Indiana to the wire last year, and it it would be nice to get a high-quality win. Is that game in Bloomington, the first game against them in Bloomington, or is it in West Lafayette? No, it's the first one's in West Lafayette. Hmm, hmm. So that would be a great one to get a good crowd out there for. Uh, they're beatable. Uh, Purdue beat Michigan State, I know, and Michigan State has a win over Indiana. So there is there there's some encouragement there that Indiana is. I mean, they're solid. I, I agree with you. They're seventeen and one and seven and one, but their one loss was the same Michigan State team that Purdue beat in overtime in East Lansing. So that'll be a good one uh, to get out there and support the ladies as. That's coming up on February 5th, and that's technically the next home game, isn't it? Yep, next home game. It'll be a tough one. I mean, Indiana lost Allie Patberg, who was their three-year starter at point guard. Um, Phenomenal player, uh, missed basketball in the state of Indiana. She left, and they somehow got better. They they brought back Grace Berger and and Mackenzie Holmes, and and those two have been one of the best duos in the Big Ten, uh, if not for, for Caitlin Clark in Iowa. Wow. Uh, 
Yeah, it'll be tough, but that, that's why mm. they play the game. And I, I'm just glad that we can actually talk about the women's team possibly making the NCAA tournament this year. It's It's been quite a while, but Katie Geralds is doing a great job. And I know you've said she's got a pretty good recruiting class lined up for next year too, right? Yeah, they're, they're bringing in four girls that Katie Geralds is really, really high on. Um, and, and it'll be important. I think they'll have to dip into the transfer portal yet again because – you look at their top four or five best players. You got Laisha Petrie came in from Rutgers, um, Caitlin Harper, Abby Ellis. They were both transfers. Janae Terry came over from Illinois. Um, this is a this is a, a highly transfer portal led team, I guess, for mm-hmm. lack of a better word. Um, so I think Gerald will dip into the portal, and then you never know who's going to enter their name in the portal as well. So. Um, I mean, the future is bright in West Lafayette. You got a, you got a young coach who's energetic, who has a track record of winning. Her, her stretch at Marion was was phenomenal. Um, I, I don't remember off the top of my head how many national championships she went to, but and won. But it was every single year they're contending for national championships, and she's bringing that pedigree to to Purdue. And and she's she's openly kind of said like, yeah, I got I got to get used to this little transition period at first, but. Um, I'm confident that, that they'll get things going and, and they'll bring that Purdue women's basketball program back to relevancy. Yeah, she won back-to-back national championships at Marion and in her eight years there went 227-49. and 49. So, And that's with a year where they were 31-3 and three and the postseason was canceled due to COVID. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's pretty solid. <laughs> But uh, now we can do one more transition. And Casey, we haven't forgotten you there. I know you've been messing with Bruno and whatnot, and he's tried to be the third guest on here, or fourth guest, I guess. Uh, what have you seen, man? Uh, you've been there. You've been in the building for all of these Purdue games. What are your thoughts right now on the men's team as they pulled out a ugly win, I would say, against Maryland, but a win no less? Yeah, I mean, there's no denying Today, what everyone saw was a tired, tired basketball team. <clears throat> um, they were boosted, obviously, in the first half. That was probably the best defensive performance I've seen Purdue have all season. They were on a rope, connected on defense. Um, really impressive stuff. Ethan Morton held uh, Maryland's lead scorer, Jameer Young, to zero points in the first half, 0-7 shooting. Only had 10 on the game, but you don't want to give up 10 to a guy in the second half alone. Um, but then obviously the second half happened. Uh, for the first time this year, really, another team jumped on Purdue in the second half. We've seen Purdue really be, that, that starting five for them have not been outscored in stretches, hardly at all this season. And that's usually where they go to work is a start in the second half, though. It was good to see them respond to that. Uh, obviously, Braden Smith had one of his worst games in terms of scoring and not turning the ball over, which is you know coming off a 19-7-7 game in Minnesota. It, it, it's an interesting development for a young team. Um, you want to talk about freshman walls and stuff. I, I don't know how much that carries over for a whole season, but when you play four games in this little amount of time, uh, just to give a little insight to their schedule. January 13th, they hosted Nebraska, and then they were on the road on the 16th, on the 19th, and then this game on the 22nd. So 
in nine days they played four games. That's that's a lot of basketball for anyone. Especially, and Painter says this all the time, it's not a physical thing. These guys are 18, 19, 20, 21 years old, better shape than we'll ever be. But it is a mental grind to be up for every play for 40 minutes a night. And he kind of joked after me, look, I don't need you to play hard all day. I just need you for two hours. And they didn't give that the entire 40 today, but they came away with a win. That matters. Matters more than apparently people give credit for. <laughs> See, I got to give a lot of credit to Maryland because to me, that entire second half today, they were trying to follow the blueprint that Rutgers did in the first half that helped them get that win in, at Mackey Arena a few weeks ago. So you, and, said, you said that during the game, and yes, but the blueprint isn't a scheme. The blueprint is having really big guards. Yeah. Really big guards and really big wings. And Rutgers has that, and that's why Purdue couldn't score on them. It's why they struggled at home, and it's why Maryland had a chance late. Um, a combination of that and just getting out in transition. And, mm-hmm. yeah, Maryland has a lot of bodies between 6'4 and 6'7, and they're strong. They have a lot of strong guards. And Brandon Smith, even if they're not struggling against it, because um, at times Purdue looked, looked fine on offense, but it is a grind. And the harder you have to work, the more tired you get, the more you take out play off and you let them get a run against you. That's that's a problem. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of what we saw. But, you know, Purdue responded. Edie, as Painter said after the game, that was an average game and he had 24 and 16. And how much of that, at least 10 of those, I think, where he just, he's plucking offensive rebounds off of missed shots and either laying them in or dunking them. I mean, that's, yeah. that's measurable. You the can count on 6 to 10 points a game from him just by cleaning up an offensive rebound. That's amazing. He, he is the number one offensive rebounder in the country. Um, he has a, I want to say, close to 21% offensive rebound rate. By the way, his front court partner, top 20 in the country as well, which means he's grabbing those rebounds while Edie's still there. Between those two alone, it's almost two out of every five misses are going back in the hands of Purdue. That's absurd. Uh, yeah, I was listening to the game on the radio today, and I think at one point they said we were out-rebounding by about 12 in the first half. And that's, like you said, that's absurd. It's absurd. Yeah, they finished plus 10 on the day. Um, obviously, that helps the fact Purdue lost the turnover battle. Um, lost it pretty convincingly. Uh, but yeah, it's... It's another game where Purdue didn't shoot well. They only got 12 three-pointers off, which is an absurdly low stat. Uh, Maryland did a really good job of not cratering um, after doubling and tripling. And if anything, that's something Rutgers did well, is get back. So to still find enough, that's all you have to do. You have to find enough in that game, whatever it is. It was an Ethan Morton break-the-press layup that helped things. Both teams pretty much didn't score for the last four minutes. So it, it was a grind. But Purdue is built to win those kind of games. And Edie is showing consistently, even as a big man, he is still, you're not taking him out of the game, no matter what you do, because of the offensive rebounding you talked about, because of his ability to make free throws, and the fact this team is just so dedicated to getting him the ball. 
and they've done a great job of it. And it's just rarely do you have the guy that if you can get him the ball in the right spot with the right matchup, it's an automatic two points, but that's what Purdue's got. I mean, we saw it on Monday night. Um, we saw it on Monday night when uh, they beat East, uh, Michigan State and East Lansing. They had one shot. They were decisive, and Edie went right to the basket. And it's it's nice to have that luxury. Yeah, Edie is still far outperforming on Kim Palm's uh, Player of the Year rating. His is two point one zero four. Next best is Jalen Wilson for Kansas at one point five six zero. Oh goodness. Um, Zach Eady has 15 game MVPs. Next closest is Darius McGee and Tavion Kinsey from Liberty and Marshall. So he is a cheat code, a giant human being, and the anchor to what possibly should be, definitely should be the number one team coming out Monday. We'll see how it goes. Um, there will certainly be a narrative of Alabama is the hot team, which I guess if that's the way they're going to go, that's fine. Um, Alabama's also top 20 in offense and defense. They've got a lot of good wins. Um, their entire resume isn't as impressive as Purdue, but in theory, they have the best win on the board with going into Houston um, and beating Houston while their worst losses are to Connecticut and Gonzaga. So depending on how you feel about those two teams, which are both kind of floundering right now. Oh, yeah, um, but how, how did how did Purdue do against Gonzaga? Yeah, they dominated. And uh, slowly but surely, that Marquette win is starting to look really good. Marquette is up to eighth in Ken Palm rankings. Yeah, Marquette's looking really good. And, I mean, for that to stay on Tier 1 as a non-conference home win, you don't get many of those. Yeah, I, I rankings are silly. Um they're always going to be silly. They're always going to be a little flawed. Um, it's usually more of a representation of how the country feels about your narrative and your conference's narrative. And it's really hard to argue in favor of the Big Ten right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've seen, because, I mean, to a man here, Indiana looks like the second best team in the conference now all of a sudden after looking dead to rights a couple weeks ago. Um, Ohio State's falling off a cliff. A lot of these really good wins are starting to not look that great. And, I mean, Purdue definitely can't stumble much, but now they have the gap for the one seed is starting to look almost comfortable for them. And I think that is going to matter more than anything else going into the end of the season. Don't lose more than two regular season games, and you can pretty much wrap up a one seed. By the way, big advantage. Yeah. I'm looking at the standings right now, and Purdue's got a two-game lead over the entire conference in the on the losing side. Uh, Two-and-a-half-game lead because we've played nine games, and both Rutgers and Michigan have played eight. They are five and three. It is entirely possible that Purdue can reach the halfway point this weekend of the Big Ten race and have a three-game lead on the field. Because yeah, Purdue has the best advanced metrics offense and defense in the conference. Right. Good. Uh, I mean, this, and then the other side of that factor, this is our sixth road game of the season for the Big Ten. That means we only got four in the back half. 
six of those in the back half are going to be at home in Mackey Arena. And good luck picking against Purdue in Mackey Arena against pretty much anybody. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting to see how it wears on. Uh, we've got uh, – Purdue has another stretch where they play four games in 11 days. Um, it's going to be Penn State at home, down to Bloomington, hosting Iowa, and then going to Northwestern. Not, not a murderer's row, but they also have to play Michigan State again right before that Penn State game. So if they're tired now, um, their body's going to be even a little more so in about three weeks from now. It's, they are in the heart of the Big Ten. There's no more Minnesota on the schedule. So <laughs> their easy wins are off the table. Yeah, because uh, I'm looking at the net rankings right now, and the lowest rated team that they have left is Michigan on Thursday night, and they are still 76th. Yeah, um, Purdue struggled against Michigan. Uh, yeah. Hunter Dickinson went off twice last year, 20 plus points both times. It'll be in. Dickinson presents such an unusual matchup because he can pull Edie away from the basket. And Correct. that, you know, that's what we saw last year. And if he's hot out there, it can go sideways in a hurry. Because to me, that was the one game last year in Ann Arbor where Purdue just flat out got beat. I mean, the, the, the other losses were really close games. They were down to the wire at the very end. Michigan flat out beat Purdue up and down the floor. Yeah, that's probably the worst upset maybe in Painter's career. Um, certainly for a good team. Purdue does not get blown out very often. Dickinson is an interesting challenge. I it, It's still hard to see how he's any different of a player than he was last year, and I think we can all argue that, or that we're all very sure that Edie is a much improved player. And I, Michigan is their feast or pan. They've got a lot of guys that shoot a lot of threes, but they don't shoot it particularly well. If they get hot, that's the trouble. Um, so it's definitely a test. It's probably the best test. I, each next test always seems harder than the one previous. So how do you grade it? Michigan's not been a good team this year. There's, they are barely hanging on to the top six. They have not executed this well. Um, they've got interesting options, but they don't present the same problems that Rutgers and uh, Maryland present. Their guards are not going to bully Purdue. Right. If you believe that's the main issue, and so far that's the only thing that's really looked like it could limit Purdue's offense and challenge them defensively. So I'm, I feel good about Purdue's defense traveling. Um, the second half might be a blessing, like Painter said. He's got something on tape to get on his guys about this week. And, and they've got three days off. Three days of rest, and they've responded every time. So it's it's fun. We're in the heart of it. Um, each win, uh, we are 20 games into the season. It, this is not a cute story anymore. 19 and 1. That is a big number. And probably about what? An inch, two inches away from being 20 and 0 with that uh, last Newman three against Rutgers? Yeah, kind of like Panic said, though. You can say that, but you could also say it the reverse way about three, four different levels. So right. The record right. is what it is. 
Right. I mean, you're five and zero on the road, but you you win in overtime against Nebraska. You get the final seconds to go your way at Ohio State and at Michigan State. You had the final seconds go our way today. Uh, you know, four and one in those games decided by three points or less. I think anybody will take that. Yeah, I think if you're a Purdue here, I I think that's one you want a lot. Even though Michigan State was tough at Michigan State, you get them at home. Get Penn State at home. Get Iowa at home. Uh, you're looking. I I would be scared about the Maryland game away and going down to Indiana, but two game lead already. I think if Purdue washes this, if they can get this win on the road, um, I feel like they've pretty much got the Big Ten wrapped up. I would. Be I shocked. tend to agree with you. It, it, I tend to agree with you because with everybody already having at least three losses, everybody else is probably going to you know. And only Michigan and Rutgers have just three. Everyone else has at least four in the race. I don't think you're going to see Purdue. If Purdue continues to play like it has been playing, I don't think you're going to see it drop four games the rest of the way. And especially yeah, when most of those, most of the remaining games are in Mackey Arena. Well, that, and not just conference wise, but like everyone in the Big Ten already has five losses as a team. Mm-hmm. Like fallible. And it's, conference is fallible. Um, so yeah, I it, it's always it's also good when Purdue can get um, every team at least once. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's when obviously there's no more mystery and it, they've still got Michigan. So it's kind of an unknown. They've still got Indiana, even though I feel like it's not that much different than last year's games, um, except that Purdue can defend this year. And then Iowa at home. And I guess if you want to consider Northwestern part of this. But. Northwestern's not bad. They're I mean, fine. they're not horrible. They're they're on the edge they're of the fine. tournament right now, and that's that's fantastic for Northwestern historically. So They're fine. <laughs> they're fine. Well, all right. I guess uh, that can probably be how we finish things up tonight. We unfortunately lost Jace. His entire thing froze up. So do you have any final thoughts before we sign off for the evening? Got to get new internet in Noblesville. What about <laughs> here in the West Lafayette boonies? My, my stuff is strong. <laughs> oh, I'm in downtown Indy, man, and you know, I don't have a single problem. So, yeah, Noblesville. What are you going to say about Noblesville? <laughs> I think I've been there once in my life. Oh, wow. All righty. Well, so with that in mind, we do thank Jace for dropping in and giving us some recruiting and some women's basketball issues. I thank Casey for stopping by and talking some men's basketball as we hit the halfway point of the Big Ten race. So for us, I am Travis Miller with Boiler Upload, and we thank you for listening and Boiler Up.